are so excited to be able to um, just share, share a little bit. But with this, what we're going to be able to do is have some time for questions, have some time for your thoughts. We are certainly not here to present that we know all the answers. Uh, we, we have come in the same place that you are. Some things have worked beautifully in men's and women's ministries here at New Life Church. Some things uh, we have learned the hard way, and some things we are certainly still in the process of learning. And so in this group, what we want to do is to be able to share some of the things that we've learned, some of the things that are working, and some of the things that are pending that we're still working on, and then give you an opportunity to, to talk and ask any questions. The only ground rule is if you, if you have a question or anything, please, we want to make sure we record it. So just make sure you're talking into one of the microphones. I'll run this out to you or have you come up and come to the stage here and be able to speak into that, okay? So with that, let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you and we praise you so much, Lord Jesus. Wow, our buckets are just full and overflowing with your word and your truth, Lord. And may you just continue, Holy Spirit, to guide and direct all of our conversations this next hour together, Lord. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me introduce our fabulous panel to you. We are representing the women's ministry here with Christina Leal and Christina has responsibility for our widows and our single moms with women's ministry here at New Life Church and Susie McCormack, whoa, as I fall, Susie McCormack uh, with women's ministry. And both of these ladies also have a role in our pastoral care. So as we have women who come to the church, call the church, or just need to, to talk and uh, sit with a pastor, these ladies take the bulk of that. We have Gabe Jenkins. And Gabe used to be, prior, his, the artist formerly known as Children's Ministry, uh, with our Base 56. And so he comes out of the Children's Ministry and jumped right into the deep end of the pool with Colin Willis into the Men's Ministry. And I love, even the visual, I just love the, the generations that are represented here. You've got Colin and Gabe together. And that's something we really want to talk about today, is that intergenerational need and criteria that we all need to be weaving together. And these two fabulous men do that beautifully. So for those who don't know, I'm Yvette Marr. I'm on staff here as well with our executive team. And I have uh, oversight for one of these areas, and that's women's ministry and some other ministries as well. So I will go ahead and hand the mic over to Christina Leal. And like I said, this is an informal, but hopefully informative hour. Hello, friends. How are you? As Yvette shared, um, I represent uh, pastoral care for women as well as minister to widows and single moms. I just want to just uh, share a little bit of background about me. I come from a pastoral background. Uh, planted a church with my husband. In 1998, I lost him to a terminal disease. And so I became a widow and a single mom. And I've been walking this journey almost 17 years. And so a lot of the things that I want to share today is because I've walked it, I've lived it, um, and uh, want to model a healthy widow, healthy single mom life to the women that, that I serve. And so... Uh, just some bullet points for you. Um, just some questions. Uh, number one, why should we have, why should the local church have a widows and single moms ministry in the church? 
Psalm 68:16 says, God places the lonely in families. A little bit about that, or some translations say the solitary or the solitary. Solitary means existing alone, lonely, companionlessness, by oneself, friendless, withdrawn, unsociable, or maybe even a recluse. And so the ministry is to draw these women who were lonely, fearful, afraid, isolated into a healthy, thriving way of living and to find community. Those are, those are really some of the big issues that widows and single moms find themselves is they find themselves on the fringe uh, because they feel a little bit awkward. They feel like they don't have a place to belong. And so uh, that is my role, my heart. It, Pastor Brady's heart, he is a champion for widows and single moms. You probably heard there was a tour down to Mary's home earlier this afternoon to take up the cause for the vulnerable and to provide housing and care and uh, compassion for those single moms who are husbandless, okay? Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world, James 1.27. Through the years, I have had people come alongside of me, married couples uh, with, with whole families intact, uh, and, and embrace me and my son. My son is 24 years old. He was seven when my husband passed away. He's a thriving young man, loves the Lord, but we've had a journey together. And uh, we've had people around us that God... Uh, assigned to us, if you will, or connected us to, to help us in that journey along the way, some real strong families. And that's what it's going to take to see uh, women who are walking in this place of vulnerability, uh, to find wholeness and healing is a whole body of Christ ministering. And so uh, I just want to encourage you in that in your work there. Uh, just some, uh, some facts here. Unfortunately, the single mom's demographic is growing uh, by the way of divorce. We see that on the rise. And we want to serve these families. 15 million, there are 15 million single parents right now in America. We want to create a place of healing, restoration, and confidence and move these vulnerable, beautiful women and children towards a thriving life. Some examples, the very first uh, single parent that we see in the, in the Word of God is Hagar and Ishmael. We see that uh, uh, Beyer Lahai Roy is the God who sees. And this is her word. This is her revelation that came when she was out in the wilderness and ready to die, is that I have now seen the God who sees me. And that's a huge message. The Shunammite widow and the sons in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. Jesus and the widow of Nain in Luke 7, 11 through 17. 2 Timothy, uh, we see Timothy being raised and spiritually raised by uh, Lois, his grandmother, and Eunice, his mother. And then we see the final, one of the final directives from the Lord when he was on the cross was when he presented uh, his mother to John. He said, John, woman, this is your son. John, this is your mother. Take care of her when I'm gone. And so we see this intentionality of the Lord to provide relationship, covering, protection, provision. And that's what the church is here to do. It's designed to do that. Okay, so I don't know how many of you have a single mom's ministry or widow's ministry in your church or if you're leaders or, okay. Uh, this is the mindset of a single mom and a widow. The number one thing that I come across is that I'm different. I don't feel like I belong anywhere. 
I'm tired, I'm hurt, I'm scared, my husband is gone. Uh, there's a lot of feelings of embarrassment. There's a lot of feelings of shame, even to the children. When children are having father and son activities or father and son, father and daughter activities, and that father is gone, there's a lot of shame that gets attached to the children, and it's not their fault. And so we have to have people stand up and be raised up to identify these vulnerable children and come alongside and be big brothers and big sisters. And uh, what's going to happen to me and my children? Will I be homeless? That is the huge, that's like the number one question. Am I going to be on the streets? In pastoral care, Susie and I, we work very close together. Uh, we often tag team, we counsel together, we pray together. The women that come into our office, a lot of them are on the, they're on crisis. Women are in crisis. Uh, they are one paycheck away from being homeless. And um, we want to change that place of being fearful to confident because God sees. Amen? He sees where these women are at, and he's made provision, and the provision is going to come through the local church and parachurch ministries. And so it's really important that we work together to help change this kind of mindset. We need to be uh, people that will teach women their worth and their identity. See, when you're thinking you don't, when, when you lose your husband, you think, I have nothing else to live for. You know, uh, I, I am nobody because society is, is uh, built up of married families, married couples. Uh, and that root, that hurt can go down really, really deep. And so we want to help women thrive and to know that they are complete in him, as it says in Colossians 2.10. And I tell my single moms when I'm teaching them on Wednesday night Bible study is that you are not weird. You are not an alien. You feel like you're an alien with some mutant growth or something on you. That's not the case. You are loved by God. And, and the reality is something very disappointing, something traumatic has happened to you. But you are not any less than anybody else. You, ha you have worth. And so we, we work hard to, to build that identity in Christ. That, and, and, I, and I challenge them and I exhort them and I say, you know, your children have been placed in your home by God. You have custody of your kids because God can entrust you to raise them and, leave, and provide a godly legacy. And so I go to that part prophetically and I call those things that be not which, though they, you know, which are not as though they are. And I speak life and future to these women. Some other areas of teaching that I think will be very helpful when you're uh, ministering to the widow and the single mom uh, is that the Lord wants to be their husband. Now, I've walked this almost 17 years, and I've seen the Lord be so faithful to me. It's, it's a very personal, it's a very real, it's a very intimate relationship. And I look to him. When, uh, when I was laid off from a job, I was laid off for like six months, and I had to learn a new way of trusting God for provision. You know what? And there were times that I wanted to go out in my own strength and try to create or manufacture provision, like get a second job. And I'd hear the Lord say, mm-mm, you will not be getting a second job. And I'm thinking, I can, I can handle it. I can work it out. I can finagle. I can do all these things. And the Lord was like, no. The word of the Lord for me was trust the Lord. Trust God as my protector and provider. Had I, had I done that, I would have missed out on great miracles. And I've seen great miraculous things happen in my household by trusting God as my husband, as my provider, as my shield, as my companion. And God wants to step in. Isaiah, let's see, Isaiah 54, 5 says, for your creator will be your husband, 
The Lord of Heaven's armies is his name. He is your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. The Lord comes to redeem the life of the widow and the single mom and puts them in a place of security and a place of thriving. We want to teach women the, the Word of God. Teach them about faith. Teach them about having faith, having, having roots go down in the bedrock of faith. Exhorting them to rise up and embrace their purpose and calling as a single mom and a widow. They're, they're still called. They still have a purpose to live. Amen? Um, we want to teach them how to date um, in a healthy way. Uh, that, is, that is also an, another, a, a number one great need, I guess. Another need is um, if, if we can get women to trust the Lord and to not react to the external things, they're going to be okay. But when I hear women, they want to get married because they're afraid or they can't pay a bill, uh, that, then we're missing the mark. We want to, we want to provide resources so they, they are not choosing badly. So they are not coming and choosing from a place of hurt or a place of dysfunction because they're afraid. And many women do that. And we, we see that in our office and we have to unpack that and walk with healing. And this is really walking with them day by day. This is, this is uh, for the long haul. Um, we want to teach them about self-care, how to take care of yourself, prayer. You know, the widow's and single mom's life is just busy. It's, it's doing uh, double the work. It's paying bills. It's, it's doing laundry. It's school uh, parent-teacher conferences. It's oil changes. It's knowing both. And as one who's walked through that, there were seasons that I was really tired and exhausted. I needed the grace of God, the empowerment, the ability to walk this through. And I've said, Lord, I need your grace to be a single mom. I don't know how to do this. Do this through me. I need your grace, Lord, to walk this out as a widow. Do this through me. And he would, he would never fail me. He's always been there. And this is what I want to give to our moms. Finances. Parenting with confidence. So, okay, so you, these are some of the dynamics about the background, the backstory of single moms and widows. So how do we build a single mom and widows ministry? I want to, the word across the last few days is always start slow. The word says not to, start the, not to despise the day of small beginnings. Take your time. One of the things that happens is people get hyped up and they get excited and they want to run with all these ideas. We need stability. There needs to be a plan for the long haul, for the future. And so I would really recommend starting slow. And that may, and the numbers, here's the dynamic. Um, uh, it's not always going to be constant. I have a single mom's ministry on Wednesday nights. The first week it can be 15 ladies. The next week it might drop down to six. And then it's back up and it's back up because the life fluctuates. There's a mom who's tired. There's a mom who's got kids in, in sports. And so just expect some fluctuation in that. And that's okay. Uh, don't let that rock your world as, and, and think like, okay, I'm not doing a good job. It's just that's, that's the reality uh, of this uh, family life. Let's see. Um, we have a... Um, annual widows and single moms Christmas tea or Christmas dinner or something along those lines where we can honor the single mom and the widow. So there are things that you can do and you can corporate in your church. It may be once a quarter. One of our churches here in town, they do a once a quarter um, single moms like luncheon. And so if you've got people in your church, key people who have a heart for this and a compassion for this, put a team together and just start introducing that. 
uh, before going into a, a full-grown ministry. It may be maybe uh, if you're in your Thanksgiving outreach, if you do that, include single moms as, and widows as part of the, the demographic that you're going to outreach. You know, there are things that you can do such as that, or maybe school supplies or oil changes. We connect with one of our uh, local um, mechanics here in town, and they're doing an annual uh, oil change for single parents. So we work together and partner. There may be some merchants in your community, other resources that you can partner with to do this. You don't have to do it alone. There are, there are resources out there, and you should take advantage of those. We also want to identify um, social pieces, you know, plan activities for these ladies. Because the whole thing is to get them out of isolation. So there's like hiking, bowling, putt-putt golf, anything that will provide that need for social connectedness. I just got a few more minutes. Um, point them towards job fairs, job coaching, in ways to find employment. Um, divorce care may be an option for your church or grief share for those who've lost a loved one. We have the grief share here in the church and we're, other widows are now ministering to those who've lost loved ones. Um, there may be a handyman ministry. We do have a handyman ministry here in the church of some volunteers who are skilled and who can come alongside and help somebody with some outdoor projects. So the main thing is get women serving, get them thriving, get them moving along. Um, I have some resources here if you want to see my list of books that I've taught on. Uh, the main one is Joyce Meyer, um, The Battleground of the Mind, Getting Our Mind Renewed and Transformed. So... Uh, that is my portion. So thank you. I can visit with you afterwards about more on this, but thank you for your time today. Thank you. Okay, so my name is Susie McCormack, and uh, my responsibility is women's pastoral care. So that entails mostly one-on-one -on -one pastoral counseling with women and also a, a teaching element. Um, so one of the things that is really important that we found in, in women's pastoral care is to have a team of intercessors. Um, and, and that can come organically, but you know, a lot of times um, it's easy to recognize people who have that gift of intercession in your uh, body. And so uh, the women that we are familiar with already or just getting to know women, praying about who should be on an inter intercessory team uh, to pray for the women that we are caring for. Uh, anonymously usually, uh, and pr praying for the ministry in general um, has really been beneficial. And so I email those women and they are committed to praying. We meet about once a quarter uh, just to talk and share breakfast together and um, pray together. But they are in contact with me and they get my emails so they know um, what situations to be praying for. And then praying for just general things about women, that women would know who they are in Christ, that they would grow in their faith, that they would be blessed in their relationships, all those things that would always be beneficial for women. Um, and then... Um, Another important aspect, I think, of, of what I do as I meet with women is to be a hope carrier uh, for people because not all the time, but usually I meet with women in crisis. And so when I do, I feel like my role is to carry hope for them because even though we know the Word of God and we know promises, there's a difference between cognitively knowing and having faith in the Word versus having the experience of watching God be faithful to you. And ironically, Christina and I were both hired in pastoral care as widows at the same time. I had walked through widowhood, and I had so many people who carried hope for me. Because you really don't know, when you're in that deep of a crisis, you see other people get healed, and it makes sense that other 
people do, so you, maybe you will, but you really don't know when you're in that heart of a, um, that dark of an hour. And um, so when people believed for me, for my healing, it has enabled me to believe for other people's healing. And so uh, that has been a powerful um, aspect or perspective to have. Um, and of course, the power of testimony. When the Lord has walked you through, uh, the word of the testimony um, is a powerful thing. But one of the things that is crucial when I meet with women is that one word from the Lord is way more powerful than a thousand words I could say. And of course, my perspective is going to be biblical counsel. But it has been so beneficial for us to pray together and not be afraid of silence and listen to the Lord together. What does he want to say right now? Because we are his sheep and we can hear his voice. So what does he want to say right now? And joining with another person uh, that you're a sister in Christ with to listen to the Lord together is a very powerful moment. And God always communicates to us through pictures or words or scripture or um, just a conversation. And that is way more powerful than anything I could say. Um, but of course, it's all based on biblical counsel. It's also important to know when you need to refer out. We've discovered we do have a list of licensed professional counselors that have been vetted um, at New Life Church that we feel comfortable giving uh, those names to people who really need a little bit more uh, work um, because we are not licensed professional counselors. Now, the Holy Spirit is the great counselor, and we are listening to him but we are body, soul, and spirit, and sometimes our souls need to work things out over time with someone who is trained that way. So we do also refer out. Um, another thing that's been really important is having personal boundaries because when you're listening to problems all day, every day, it can be weighty. And um, one of the things that helps with that is to really have strong boundaries of just time. Um, sometimes, People want to meet with you really, really badly on their terms, and um, being gracious in that and meeting people's needs at the same time, we all have our own families. We all have, you know, responsibilities outside of our work, and so holding those boundaries will protect um, our own hearts and, of course, our families as well, because none of us want to sacrifice our families to minister to other families. Our, God's order is to minister to your own family first, have your private life in order, so that you can minister out of the overflow of that. So that's been an important aspect um, as well. And then um, another thing about that is one thing I, I ask myself is, who else can do what I'm being asked to do? And who else can do what I would be giving up? For example, if someone can only meet with you after hours, but that happens to be the only time that you as a mom can put your kids to bed, you have to weigh which one of those things is most important, you know. Um, and, of course, being gracious. We, we offer um, all kinds of times to meet with people, and we do uh, meet during first service and while they're going to second service if they live far away and things like that. We try to be flexible with that. Uh, the other aspect of my job is to teach. And what we found in, in a church this size is even though we publicize classes and we send out emails, personal invitations are still wonderful. And so um, when we're getting ready to promote a class, we do make phone calls and we ask our leaders to make phone calls because everyone loves to be invited to a class. They love to know that you're thinking of them. They want to be included. 
uh, and we do that for leaders as well. Uh, how we've set up our, our women's discipleship classes, there's a teaching component and then group time because we feel like everyone needs to process what they're learning and everyone needs to have meaningful relationships. So all of our discipleship classes are twofold. It's to grow in, in our understanding of who the Lord is and who we are in him and then connecting with other women at a spiritual level so that we can be uh, in community. Authentic community is where healing happens best. And also we can't sharpen each other if we're not around each other. We can't use our gifts if, if there's no one to use your gifts on or receive gifts from. So that's always uh, an element. So we do have table leaders and um, we train table leaders, we pray for table leaders, we communicate with them so that we're modeling to them what we would like them to do with their groups. So that has been um, successful because then they can keep in contact with their own group members and that communication just keeps the class um, continuing and building relationships as we grow in our discipleship. Um, I guess that's it for now, so I'll turn it over to Gabe. These are great women's pastors. They really are. Uh, I'm not a women's pastor, but at times I felt like one. And I'll tell you why, which is part of my story of how I ended up in the men's ministry. Uh, like Pastor Yvette said, I, I, um, before coming into the men's ministry, I was working in the children's ministry. And our children's ministry team was all women and me. Fifteen women and me. And so, so I did that. I, yeah, I was blessed. I didn't always think that, but looking back, I was. And so I did that for eight years. And halfway through, at about year four, I went back to Kansas, where I'm from. And I was helping a friend with a wheat harvest. So I had a lot of time on the tractor to think and pray, God, what are you doing? And uh, he, he spoke to my heart so clearly about men's ministry. And so he started uh, to stir a passion in my heart to minister to men. Well, that, so fast forward three more years from that point. So now seven years into the kids' ministry world. So I'm still working with all women, ministering to kids. And then I was also uh, getting a master's in counseling, and I was doing my internship at a women's medical clinic. So all women here, counseling all women at the clinic, and then I went home to a wife and two daughters. <laughs> and so one day I was at the clinic and I said, okay, God, I thought once upon a time you spoke to me about men's ministry. Now, I don't want to doubt you, God, but I am surrounded by women. And again, it was the Holy Spirit, and he spoke to my heart, and he said, Gabe, tell me what you've seen in your years of ministering to kids. And so I said, I've seen how they long for their dad to be engaged. And then he said, and tell me what you've seen and heard as you've spent all of this time counseling women. Well, I've seen the impact of a man on a woman. And then shortly after, Colin approached me and said, hey, what do you think about men's ministry? And God opened that door. But it was really unique and creative how God showed me the fruit of a man's life before opening the door. And I, Colin didn't, he wasn't aware of those uh, conversations I had with God. 
he just saw the, the call that God had on me for men's ministry. So it was really a neat story of being in this season, like, God, what are you doing? Did I mishear you? Men's ministry, I'm surrounded by kids and women. And then how he brought Colin along and, and opened that door in the right, right uh, season. But that season has impacted vision. Um, so this year is when I transitioned into the men's ministry. And I carry uh, such a conviction that men, it's, it's crucial for men to be engaged. I mean, for eight years, I was sitting with kids and counseling kids. And the issue was that a lot of times that dad wasn't engaged. And so mom brought the kid to me and said, hey, Pastor Gabe, can you help? And so I would build that relationship with the kid. But the core issue was I, I want dad to throw the baseball with me. I, I want dad to be involved in my life. And so as uh, Colin and I have prayed through vision and really um, just been saying, God, what are, you, what are you building here in the men's ministry? Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the, the builders labor in vain. That's been a real theme for us. God, what are you building in this ministry? What are you up to and how can we participate? This theme of engagement has been huge. God is. Uh, highlighted this to us time and time again. And there are, three, there are three areas of this engage theme. So the word engage is something that we've, it's a banner that we fly over our men's ministry. There are three components of it. One is we're en encouraging and challenging men to engage a personal walk with God, an intimate friendship with uh, Jesus. The second area is to engage their role as husband and father, to really lean into that, to take that serious. And then the third area is to engage other men in relationship, to walk with other brothers in Christ. And one of the things that uh, we've realized as we've started to move down this road of, of taking a vision and implementing it and bringing it to pass is there are, there's no shortage of ideas. And, um, but these are three areas that we really want to lean into. Uh, so engage, engage God, engage your role uh, in the family, and engage other brothers. And a picture of this is with gears. So many men, as we minister to men, so many men put so much of their time and energy into their work, their job. And they're trying to provide, and, and that's good. <laughs> as men, we're called to provide. But what we're saying is, yeah, that's important, but... Think of it as gears. You want this big gear with God, your relationship with God, your friendship with God. You want that to be turning first and foremost. You don't take your leftovers and say, well, okay, I'll, I'll give that to God. And then once you get that big gear cranking, that begins to spin all of these other gears in a man's life. And so that's something that, that we talked to men about too. But again, that's a 30,000-foot view. Uh, it, that sounds good, but it's a lot harder to actually to uh, see that come to pass, and Colin is going to talk about some of the practicalities of how we're going about this. Thanks, Gabe. I didn't, you know, I really didn't know anything about Gabe's background except uh, I'd been meeting with him for coffee. What he doesn't say in all of this was first he was an all-American wrestler in college, which is a big, kind of a big deal to me, uh, and so I knew a great athlete. I knew he was a great dad. But there's also something else. If you go away from here, uh, one of the resources I would take with you is a book by a guy named Gabe Jenkins. It's this guy right here. Yep. This is just out called Deep Waters. Uh, this is an incredible book. 
And so uh, he must have learned something by being with a bunch of women for seven years. Train him up. Train him up. You did good. You did really good, whoever that was. A lot of touching stories about his daughters in here. I don't hear about the rest of the women. But, yeah. uh, my story's a little bit different. I spent 35 years in the Army with a bunch of men, and it took, didn't take me long to re realize we're broken. So I just decided what, when I got an opportunity to become a pastor, what a, what a huge opportunity just to be able to work with uh, some other men in their spirit, in the spiritual way. And I'm going to change what I was going to talk about a little bit because something really is touching me here. Today, sitting right there, and I don't know why he's here, is right there, this guy in the second row, uh, Al Chung. Uh, this is my mentor. This is my, the generation ahead of me who's invested his life in me. And right beside him is the head servant of our church, Tim Mazza, who's the head servant in men's ministry. And right over here is the next generation after Gabe's generation of this church. And so I, I'm just struck by the, I don't know why you guys are here. <laughs> Except, did, was this a setup? Because yeah. I was going to, huh? <laughs> you think I'm pretty, right. You, you think they're going to get something free. That's probably what they think. So. But this is true. I don't know why you're here, but, I, but it does make a point here. Of the, of the being intentional and valuing the generations in ministry. So Al represents to me that generation of Abrahams, if you will, who's, who's been there, very mature. I can always ask him something about uh, decisions or about what's going on where he gives me always the advice and love that I need. Tim, I turn to as a wingman, for example, to say, Tim, I need this. Tim is a guy at 4.30 in the morning on Tuesday mornings who is there making coffee for the men for our 6.30 prayer meetings. It's Tim Mazza. That early by himself just waiting to just do something to help. This young man comes into our ministry, so Gabe and I are walking through, getting fired up for everything, and he, this young man says, wait a minute, I think we need to pray. So... That's huge, that importance. And then this guy just breathes energy into everything we do. And I love that. And with a, an incredible sense of the Holy Spirit. Great quote from here. The Holy Spirit is closer to us than the air we breathe. Love that. Read the book three times. So it, he'll even sign it for you if you want to, I think, for, probably for free. So it brings up the point, though, about four things that we, we always kind of, four or five things that we rely on in our, in our men's ministry. We're not trying to be event-oriented, but we want to be consistent and simple in providing things for men. So we start with simplicity. Every ministry that touches men, we use the word men. We don't hide it behind some acronym that they can't figure out. It's always men, men's discipleship, men's prayer, men's night out, whatever it might be, it kind of reminds men that's where there probably ought to be then or something, or can be. Second, we make it very consistent. It's always on the same time. So if they're not already in a small group or otherwise engaged, they always know on Wednesday night they can come here and be with other men, always. That's a consistency thing. It's not designed to be a one and only, but it's available always. Um, in every one of our sessions, we have three goals. 
One is always to worship. We always worship. This didn't happen before in many of the men's things we did. Men aren't great worshipers. But what we're trying to do is even teach men to worship. One of the things we learned in our church, for example, many people come to this church and maybe not, maybe not come from a charismatic background or, or a worshiping background even. So one of the things we do is we always go into worship, and a little bit of that is always asking the worship leader to teach how to worship and what it even means. Second of all, we always bring the, the only ticket for entry into a men's event is the Bible. We, we encourage men to bring the word. If they don't know the scripture, we've got to work with men to teach them. And I think that's the key. Frankly, the lesson I'm learning is just lack of knowledge of the Bible. So we're always encouraging men to bring and talk and, and understand the Bible. And third, it's praying out loud. Men really have a hard time praying out loud. So one of the things we're trying to do is get men, by example, praying, but also then encouraging men to pray with us and to pray out loud, be willing and have the courage, confidence, and strength to do that. Um, so, and then embedded in all of this is this intergenerational kind of discussion and walking with other generations through everything to do. One of the approaches we decided to do, we looked, uh, Gabe makes the point that in create, trying to create the vision for men's ministry, we're still not there. We've made some shots, but they've always come up a little short, frankly. But one of the things we did do is we went back to just asking our senior pastor, give us your vision. And the vision Pastor Brady has is, well, one thing I'll always do is every Sunday I'll stand up, I'll teach, and I'll challenge men to something. Well, one of the things we do, we've decided then in our main discipleship program, again, this is a simple plan executed with utter passion. Not a very complex plan, but pretty simple. Sunday, Pastor Brady stands up and preaches and challenges. On Wednesday, we take the same topic and we ask men, how you doing? Did you turn and walk in any different way? Or did you just simply keep going? Or did you even hear it? Did you hear what the pastor said? And so part of this is a great discussion that on Wednesdays, how are we doing in walking through what the pastor it's a fidelity check all the way from the senior pastor to us walking out life. Are we doing that or not? Because everything he's saying is biblical from, and is, is a challenge into our life of how to walk like Christ. So that's become a big, kind of a big thing for us as well. Um, I think there were, there were two other things real quick I wanted to mention as I... Oh, one is... Uh, we also try to have an, a kind of an annual flow that fits then down to a weekly flow. So if we look annually, and we've tried to create as a, as a retreat environment where one year we go off the men to reflect and reimagine and refresh. And the following year we'll be doing a summit where we come back into the church and ignite. And every two years, that cycle of, that's the big muscle movement of men's ministry that, that we kind of have in place now. So one year we're away, we go to a retreat. The next is to come back in in kind of a summit form and, and kind of lift the blue roof off this big building, if you will. That's, that's the image we have. Then in a kind of an annual monthly, about every quarter we do a men's night out. 
Sometimes that's a speaker from outside. Sometimes it's Pastor Brady. It's just a bunch of guys eating hamburgers and hot dogs or pizza and then listening and then worshiping in a big way and then listening to something that has importance to men, relevant to the lives of men. And then finally, within a weekly cycle, Tuesday morning we just meet and pray at, at 6.30 in the morning. We watch the sun rise in the, over the mountains from the World Prayer Center and we just praise God. And then we pray for one another, and that's so big. And then Wednesday night, a discipleship. We form that so that we have a consistent place for men to come and be discipled. But deep in our heart, here's where we'd like every man to be. We want every man to be on a fire team of four men. A lesson I learned in the military is the reason you fight hard is for the three people around you. You don't fight for the nation. You don't, nothing bigger than that. It's for those three around you. So what we're trying to do is get men engaged in small fire teams where they're willing to cover their back, to encourage, to take care of, to pastor to, to minister to, to love one another, and just and then, then that small team. So our goal would be we never have a big men's ministry forum of any type, but every day there's a fire team in the fight with groups of four men. So that's kind of where we're headed and, and kind of our goal. Um, I can say this is a church that's gone through a couple iterations of how to do men's ministry. We're not sure we got it right. And uh, I can say, though, that it's, uh, I, I just love the thought, though, of being able to sit with where I've seen the need because I've talked to women and young children that they need husbands, they need dads in their lives, and that we have a chance to work with men to kind of grow in that the way the Lord meant them to be. That's a huge thing for, for us. So, uh, we're, like I said, I, I wish we could say we're complete and whole. We had it down. We don't. But I think, the, I think God is kind of uh, working on us to, to kind of make sure we're, doing what he's calling us to do for men. So, that's it. Yvette? That's very good. Very good. See why we're so blessed? We're so blessed. We want to give you guys uh, an opportunity. Do you have any questions, thoughts? Did we stir up anything maybe that you're doing that you'd like to share or questions? If so, I'll bring you a microphone. If not, I'll ask you questions and I'll keep talking. So, don't give me a mic. Anybody? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me ask questions then. How many are you guys representing? I know who you are representing. I know you guys. Are any of you representing churches here locally? Or are you all out of town? Where are you guys from? Arvada. Okay, Arvada. And with women's ministry or men's ministry or... Can you, I'm sorry, Danny, Daniel, can you? Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we're wanting to start up a single women's or a single mother's ministry. We're both single moms. Okay. Um, and it's not something that our, our church has at the moment. Um, so it's something that, uh, that we've started discussing wanting to, wanting to, to start up. So coming in and getting some ideas was, was great. Yeah. Yeah. Good. What about you guys? I know you. What about you guys? We're with High Mill Church in Canton, Ohio. Um, men's ministry, been in the position uh, as leader since February. 
um, and looking just to connect and get some ideas here. And uh, I see a lot of synergies and uh, passions that that are, are in these men that, that I want to grab a hold of. Good, good. What about you guys? Well, I attend New Life here, and when I saw that this conference was um, offered, I said, I'm supposed to go to that. I'm just a member of the church here. Mm -hmm. And um, my daughter said, well, Mom, that's for leaders. And I said, I don't know, I just feel like I'm supposed to go. And so I'm here. So um, recently, Eva, you put on the women's page on the internet that there was a um, a ministry, I think it's Crossroads Ministry, is that right? That was having a class on understanding the heart of the elderly. And it was held at the Inn at Garden Plaza. And that's where my mother lives. And she's a new widow. And she's not responding like I thought she would. And so I went to that class and there was hardly anybody there. And that really broke my heart to think that there was hardly anyone there. And the woman who was leading it, who's your friend, she, um, she said, do you realize that over 50% of elderly that are in uh, care units don't have any visitors? And she said that the three main needs of the elderly are to um, know that they're loved, to know that they still have a purpose, and have someone listen to them. She went on to tell about the volunteers that are in her ministry who have gone in, um, ministered into homes and, um, and have been a friend to the elderly. And she told of one volunteer that had a group, a Bible study, she had about 14 people there, and she just went around and said, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And she prayed for this one and lo and behold, the Lord touched every one of those people, and he got them well. And so I feel like the Lord wants me to be involved in this ministry, and so I don't know anything about leadership, and so here I am. And here's what, here's what those of us who have a, a title or a, a position, if you will, of leadership knows. You have everything about leadership because you just displayed what all of us desire most, and that is a heart, a heart to serve, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what does the Lord put in front of you through different circumstances. And I love that because it weaves us. I mean, look at all of us in this room. We have various perspectives and opportunities to serve in, but we're all brothers and sisters of Christ who, first and foremost, we want to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is is putting in front of us. How do we connect that? How do we do this intergenerational serving men, women, broken, on the path with care, bringing hope and care to people? So I think you are uh, one of the greatest leaders in this room right now because you, you have stepped up out of an obedience to say, what can I do and give me eyes to see? So bless you. And we, you know, part of the reason I wanted to just hear from who's in this room is so that we can, we can pray for each other. You know, this isn't a demographic uh, box that we all fit in. All right, you all go to the, you know, even though, look at how we're sitting. You know, like women on this side, men on that side, you know, don't intermingle. This is not a good visual. 
We're not. We're not. We don't want to put ourselves, especially in the body of Christ, we do not want to see through our filters of you go over there and you go over there and you go over there and compartmentalize uh, everything. We want, in fact, we meet, we meet with uh, Colin and Gabe to say, okay, what can we do? How can we be consistent? How can we look at the family as a whole? For example, on Wednesday nights, if they're all, if the men's having a men's gathering and the women's having the women's gathering, well, I'm from Kentucky, there should be food. I mean, we need food, right? So what are we doing to make it easy on the family? If the family's coming here and we've got their kids in our DSM group, our desperation student ministry, and we've got the moms over here and we've got the dads over here and you know, what are we doing to make it easy for our families to come and learn and grow and connect and all of these things that we've just talked about. And so as we look at our respective roles and responsibilities, that's my prayer as we leave out of here is that we're remembering to see people where they are and not put them in that box in isolation, but to say not only where are you, but how can we then connect those things? All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's something that we, we wrestle with um, at High Mill. Can you talk to some of the strategies that you've used, both you know scheduling, what does Wednesday night look, look like in terms of meeting those family needs, uh, knowing that the impact that, that you talk about of, of the role of a father, building strong families, and not splitting the family apart because of event here, event there. You said it wasn't event-driven. What, what are some of those strategies you've used? Here's, here's where we are currently, and this is what we're doing here at New Life, and that is on Wednesday nights. And we've, we, here's, here's what we had to do. One, we had to be intentional. We had to be intentional, and we had to look at communication. And that is where I think the enemy uses, I think it's one of his greatest tools, is communication with each other. So we hadn't talked, right? And our DSM, our desperation team, and our, our young students, and then we have a prayer service on Wednesday nights, a prayer and worship. Okay, none of us talk, but we all pick time. So let's say Colin picks 7, we pick 7.30, the kids' ministry picks 8 o'clock because they've got sports, and then the prayer service starts at 8.30. It's like, whoa, 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 what do we need to do here? So we backed up the truck, and we said, wait a minute, let's get together. First, let's communicate together. Let's be intentional about what we're doing together and corporately. How are we communicating that? And so we said, okay, for this for this Wednesday night service, what we want to do is have a start time. Uh, what time can children's uh, ministry be available to bring our young children and check them into our children's ministry? So we have a start time, a 6.15, and then we have a 6.30, then the, the, each of our groups start connecting at 6.30. And, you know, we've said, okay, you can either start talking at 6.30, start worshiping at 6.30, or if you need a little bit of mingle time and just kind of get in and get settled up, maybe some, you know, whatever, snack or whatever, uh, then start your teaching time. But we have committed to say 6.30 to 8.30. You pull in this parking lot, you pull out of this parking lot. I always joke and say lights shut down by 8.45. And if you don't have your kids picked up, they're going on Craigslist. So, you know, it's like get your kids, get them in the car. This is recorded. Great. Yeah. Uh, but to be able to say... You know, we, we have to, but, we, but you train people. You, you have to train people because we get into, well, I was running late. Well, and then the speaker went over. And or, well, and then we're not out of here till 930. That's not respecting 
It's not a steward of time. It's not a steward of our, uh, just our service. And it's not a steward of communication. We want people to be able to know when and what and how. And I think we have to own that as leaders. I have a, when I stepped into this role almost two years ago, the single mom's ministry was on a Tuesday night. And then I began to think about, okay, how about the moms who have kids in youth group? They've got to come back on Wednesday night. And I realized that single moms, they're on tight budgets. And some live on the south end of town. I said, wait a minute. I have got to make this change to make it easier, realizing the women I serve, they're probably not going to come back on a Wednesday night because they're being ministered to. With some, some, something's going to go without. And so I made the bold decision to say, we're going to move single moms ministry to Wednesday night. And that leaves a lot of stress off of them, worrying about their pocketbook. But they have kids here, and it's family. And so that was a real good move for us. That was a practical, but it was spiritual too. And so that was keeping in line with the strategy and keeping that family intact. So, and It was the same for men, by the way. Uh, one of the issues that drove it is men tend to be the ones that bring the kids and drop them off. So we decided that would be a good night for men to come and have a men's ministry. So very intentionally, we decided to do that. Then we all kind of got together and decided if the core value of our church is the family, we probably ought to look at this as a family. So we realize in certain seasons, men will be in a small group and not coming to men's discipleship. Great. Same with maybe a women's class or something. They may come to it for a season and then find another small group to be in. Great. That's where they ought to be. Perhaps one of the, and we don't have this perfect yet by any means. Uh, we're starting also a worship service so, so the family could go collectively to that perhaps. But one of the things we probably ought to be more intentional about on a Wednesday night perhaps is something with couples. Maybe without children, but just couples. I don't know. We're, we, we're not saying we got this perfect. We've made some, some moves and we're doing those with passion and doing them to the best we can. But there's still a lot to learn about how do we do this kind of thing on a, on a Wednesday night. But being consistent in practical ways and spiritual ways I think is really important on that. Yeah. Another issue with strategy, that, uh, strategy and how we're working together is we have a men's retreat coming up in October. And so as we were out in the foyer inviting men to come, a lot of the men were saying, well, let me go, let me go talk to my wife. And then sometimes they'd come back. She said, yes, I'm going. And we saw this happening enough where we thought, we should, we should get the women's team on board and excited about this and going home talking to their husbands about this. And so they were awesome. They've been gracious. They've been now promoting the men's retreat at the women's meetings just to, to get that excitement happening in the house. And so who would have thought that some of our key, key strategy for getting guys to go to a men's retreat is coming through come the on, women's Come on, Gabe, it's coming from you. You lived with the women's, yeah. you know, come on. <laughs> My goodness, it's over and over and over. Yes, and then, wait, where are you guys from? I just don't want to leave you out. Yes, yeah, and you're here just kind of listening in. All right, and then Sharon. All right, and I'm sorry. All right, very good. All right, good. I just, you know, you know, it's the fairness thing. I just want to make sure we hear from everybody. Yes. In the past, I was involved in a church that had a single parents ministry. It was men and women both. 
Um, I realize there's a lot more women usually than there are men, but we did have a few. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Should it be segregated, men and women? Um, I can see benefits to both ways. We can learn something from each other, but maybe as far as like a safe place to share, it's better to have them separated, so. I think so. I think sometimes with that, there's probably some distractions. I know the things that, that, that my single moms need to share about would not go in a, in a co-ed situation. Uh, even with single, single, single adult ministries, oftentimes there's that component of the intent is to date, is to find a mate, so forth. So that kind of comes in and brings the distraction from the goal uh, to, to build healthy relationships. So there may be a single, I don't know, the men could probably speak to a single dad's group or how do they minister to that. But uh, I think just for, like you're saying, uh, having an open freedom to share is probably, in my opinion, to probably keep those two things separate. Yeah, I think, I think um, again, it, it, it is really important that we've got a men's, a, a, some kind of a discipleship program for men. Uh, not all are necessarily married, some, most probably are, but in those things they're learning things about being men that need to be said in there where we're, uh, I'm good at headlocks, really good at headlocks, I'm not good at much else, but it, sometimes we just need a headlock, you know what I mean? It's just sometimes we're talking, women probably the same way, there's just things that just kind of have to be kind of done in that environment. Having said that, I also believe so strongly in, in uh, couples group, couples ministry and in parenting ministry, which is what we've tried to do is make that available in small groups rather than in uh, institutional kind of discipleship things at church on Wednesday. We, we're trying to kind of use that method. Is it working great? Not yet, maybe. But that's, that's I think, both of those are what you're saying are really important, I think if you have the resources to do all that. And that's kind of kind of a big issue, you know. I understand that. So we're kind of fortunate we do, can probably try these things and see if they work. But they're pretty important, they're both are. Our time has gotten away from us. We want to be here. We will be hanging around, though, if you have other questions. Um, Christina just said, and we have parenting. We have a parenting marriage and family group here at New Life Church as well. Again, I just want to encourage all of you in what the Lord's putting in front of you, all of us leaders and all of us who are walking out of this. So, Colin, can I ask you, now that you put your microphone, will you just pray over us? Absolutely. I would just love that. Gosh, how lucky am I? Um, I'm, I'm real slow, so just bear with me, okay? Let's linger for a minute in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, what, a, what an honor it is to call you our king, to serve you, God. We, we thank you. Thank you, God, for, for sending your one and only son for us, God. 
and just what a miracle that is. We thank you for sending you, Holy Spirit, just to be with us, to guide us, to walk with us, to stand in fellowship with us. Holy Spirit, come be the life of this church. Be closer to us than the air we breathe. Father, we thank you for the church, the big church, but we also thank you for each of the churches that are represented here today, God. Thank you for the pastors, for the staffs of those churches. God, we ask blessing on each one of those churches. May, be, may they just be filled in a mighty way with your spirit. God, I thank you for each and every one of the people here today, taking time out of their schedules just to take a deep breath and to, to learn, to study, to listen, just to grow with you, Lord, in the life of the church. You're an amazing God, and we love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we all pray. Amen.